This episode is brought to you by BTR Nation. BTR is a female founded brand that is on a mission to end mindless snacking with their protein bars with a purpose. Snacks get a bad reputation, high in sugar, ingredients you can't pronounce, ultra processed. But what if you had a snack that checked all the right boxes, a snack with a purpose? Because when we snack mindfully, when we honor our bodies, our hunger, our snackiness, we transform our mindset. BTR bars and chocolate truffle cups are made with no gluten, no dairy, no soy, no added sugar, no corn or rice syrups, no GMOs, no natural flavors, no sugar alcohols, no stevia, no inflammatory ingredients, and no gums or fillers, the cleanest label in the category. They only use ingredients that you can pronounce and adaptogenic superfoods like reishi, lion's mane, and cordyceps. They also taste delicious. I always have the peanut butter chocolate chip bliss bars in my cabinet, and Erica doesn't go a day without having the dark chocolate truffle cups. Besides the many delicious snacks to choose from, we love the story of BTR. Founder and owner Ashley Marie found inspiration in an unlikely place at an unlikely time, at the hospital cafeteria. When both of her parents were diagnosed with cancer, her life turned upside down as she became their caretaker, and her own nutrition began to suffer. Ashley was devouring protein bars when she could, as many of us do, to fit in a meal or a snack. Most of the bars she quickly discovered were filled with sugar. After her parents passed away, she founded a bar brand based on their family mantra, be bold, tenacious, and resilient. If you want to try BTR bars and truffle cups, you can save 20% on your order with code COURAGEOUSWELLNESS all one word at btrnation.com. You can also find this link in our show notes and link tree on Instagram. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Ali experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Courageous Wellness. Erica and I have a great episode today with JJ Martin. And we're going to get into her episode and her formal intro shortly. But as usual, we are going to do some of our own weekly updates. Um, Erica, do you want to kick us off? Yes, I will start because I actually have a update this week. I feel like the last few weeks I've been a little slower and softer. But Tuesday night, a friend invited me for her birthday to a somatic workshop. 
And it was the first time I had ever done a somatic workshop and it was absolutely incredible. So we have an episode on somatics coming up in, um, April, around April with Abigail Rose Clark, who is the author of a book that just came out called Returning Home to Our Bodies. And it's a beautiful book. And she really talks about practices for connecting somatics, nature and social change. So that episode is coming soon. But if you want to start reading her book or learning more about somatic work, I think it's a great place to start. But you know, I had been so resistant to somatic work for so long. Um, I just wasn't ready for it. You know, I think it really took me 35 years because I've experienced as we all have so much and so much in my childhood. And I just think I, I, I've held on to a lot, but you know, in the last couple of years, I've been exploring parts therapy and IFS work, and I just finally felt ready to do the somatic piece of it. And so we went to the workshop. It was all women. Sometimes it's co-ed, but it was actually really wonderful. And I felt very safe to be in a kind of sisterhood of women in this environment. And she started with deep breathing. And we did these deep breathing practices that led into some somatic deep breathing where we would clench and release. And it was really like, it just, it was incredible. And then we did the somatic movement and it's really, um, it's guided, but once the somatic movement starts, you really guide yourself, like what feels, um, right in your body. And it was, as I've said, it was incredible. And, you know, I think a big thing that scared me with somatic work was I'm air dominant. I know you're going to talk a little bit about astrology and your update. I'm I'm so air heavy that I can be so in my head and intellectualize everything as opposed to feeling my feelings. Mm -hmm. And so I think I was nervous that like feeling in my body would make me even more heady, but it was actually the opposite. The more I moved this energy through my body, the quieter my mind was. But I also felt like I tapped into my inner child. And for anyone who thinks that's woo or I, I was so not open to this at all. And, but I really felt like I tapped into a child part of myself who really came through in the somatic work. And I felt such a release that I honestly don't even understand. It almost felt like I was having a tantrum for lack of a better mm -hmm. like visual, but afterwards, I felt such a release off my shoulders and I slept, it was evening and I slept so soundly and so deeply. Isn't that and interesting? It was incredible. And so I am going to go back next week and cool. I'm excited to do it again. And yeah, I definitely want to explore more somatic work and more somatic healing um, because I know, right, we carry energy and trauma and life in our bodies. And I, I, I think I'm finally ready for it. So it was kind of incredible. And it was my first introduction into that world of somatics. My friend, our friend took me to a somatic dance class, maybe like, oh gosh, maybe 10 years ago now. And I was not ready for it. So mm -hmm. I think I'm finally ready in for the space. it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I loved it. So I'm excited cool. for this exploration and yeah. So how are you doing this week, Allie? I know I just teased okay. a little bit of your update because we did it together. So. Yes. So normally it's normally it's an Erica thing, but I joined last night. Um, our friend who's been on the show, Lauren O'Connell from um, The Modern Astrologer, holds moon events that she'll talk to you about what's going on in the moon. And it's a new moon this week. And um, or 
when this episode comes out, it'll be a couple of days past the new moon, but um, new moon in Aquarius. And so uh, Lauren's great. She like walks you through your own chart and how the moon is affecting it and what's going on in the sky. And it was just a lot of fun. Um, it's a fun community she's built. And I'm trying to think like what I learned about myself. Um, yeah, it was just about sort of some of the like energy around the new moon, the new beginnings. Um, I think a lot, like I'm not, a, as people know, I'm not I don't know a lot about astrology. Erica is definitely more knowledgeable, but like uh, there's everything's direct right now. So there's a lot of like forward motion um, in our lives. And sometimes that can feel like a little bit anxiety inducing too, but I feel like kind of full force ahead with this year now, like in February, I'm, I'm like, okay. And work stuff is really starting to crank and, um, yeah. And it's exciting. And, you know, new beginnings are always, are always a good thing to sort of tap into. And so that's what I did yesterday, which was a lot of fun. It was fun to be a part of that group again. And she does, I forget, she does these like really fun events and then everybody can kind of personalize it to themselves too. Yeah. I mean, you know me, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big astrology girl. I don't remember if we talked to JJ in this episode about astrology or offline, but we definitely talked to her about astrology and yeah. And I'm an Aquarius moon. This moon is conjunct my natal moon. So I, I'm really, I love Aquarius energy. So I'm, I'm really excited and I'm really glad you came to the moon event. Yeah, me too. It was fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my update. I'm trying to think we just got over all like the heavy rains in LA, which it's always like LA's entire personality when it rains. <laughs> Completely. But um, yes. yes. So, but anyway, I'm excited for this episode. We had this really great conversation with JJ and it was a pleasure to have her on the show. So do you want to, do you want to get into it? Yes, I do. And her book is so beautiful. Um, it it's like the most gorgeous book. Everybody needs to get it. So I'm so excited. We do talk about her whole journey in this episode. So today on the podcast, we welcome JJ Martin of celeb favorite fashion brand, La Double J based in Milan. She just debuted Mama Milano, a gorgeous new memoir lifestyle guide inspired by the city that transformed her. JJ is a true force with a contagious enthusiasm on everything from starting a business to supporting her own mental health to the personal challenges she has faced, including her struggles with infertility and culture shock that ultimately shaped her entrepreneurial and spiritual path. Today, we discuss the flexibility, calm, and patience she adopted in Italy, down to the somatic techniques she learned to reduce anxiety that not only enriched her business, but helped her find deeper fulfillment in her life. We really enjoyed learning from JJ and hearing her rich life experience and advice. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi guys, before we get to today's episode, we want to share how excited we are to offer our community 20% off their first order at Sakara with code XO Courageous. We have been big fans of the company for years and the Sakara Life organic meal delivery program is based on a whole food plant-rich diet that includes fresh, nutrient-dense and delicious ingredients. It's perfect for those weeks you need a refresh or don't have time to meal prep. 
They also have a clean boutique, which offers delicious food forward bars, snacks, beauty water drops, and my personal favorite metabolism super powder, which works to fire up your metabolism, stabilize blood sugar, eliminate bloat and decrease puffiness. The naturally rich low sugar, dark chocolate flavor is perfect for smoothies or simply mixed with coffee and nut milk. I also regularly use the Sakar cookbook full of plant-rich recipes, which you can purchase on their website. Click the link in our show notes to visit sakara.com and use code XOCourageous for 20% off your first order. We know you will love it as much as we do. Now onto the episode. Well, thank you, JJ, for joining us today. Erica and I are really happy to have you on the show. And um, just to get started, if any of our listeners aren't familiar familiar with you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and your background? Sure. Um, hi, both of you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, as we mentioned in our preamble, um, I'm currently in Pacific Palisades in California where I grew up, but I've been living in Italy for the last 22 years. And I, um, for the first 15 years that I was living there, I was a journalist and I was writing about fashion, design, lifestyle for many different international publications on staff at Harper's Bazaar in America, Wallpaper, The Wall Street Journal, et cetera. And then in 2015, I launched my company that's called La Double J. And it's I started by selling my collection of vintage clothing and jewelry. And then it's sort of, and, and then showing it all on the Creative Women of Milan. And then it sort of morphed very unexpectedly um, into a fashion and uh, a tabletop homeware label, which was really unexpected, but that's what I do now. And um, we are very uh, print, color, maximal, um, joyful, and... Um, you know, the mission of my company is raise your vibration and we do that in lots of different ways. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. That's so beautiful. Can you maybe share with us a little bit too? How did you transition? I mean, there's so many things I want to unpack. How did you end up in Italy? And I'm like, where to begin? But also just since you mentioned it, how did you make your transition to the world of, of creation, right? Instead of just writing, um, cause it's such a different, was it always something that was inside of you or was it a natural progression? How did you decide to make that leap? You know, it was very intuitive and instinctual. I never, um, had in the back of my mind, this idea to go off and do something on my own. Um, I never thought of myself as a creative person, even though I was working in the fashion industry, even before I moved to Italy, I was working in the fashion industry and marketing, but I always thought that my job was to sort of package and deliver um, information or content on other creative people. And it wasn't until actually that I started my own business that I realized what I was doing before really was creative. The writing was creative. Um, I did feel a little bit, though, like journalism got a little bit stalled in that period that maybe, you know, from 2010 to 2015, the industry itself was revolutionized by the digital landscape, by the 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 bloggers, by the websites, by the influencers and print 
hegemony kind of came to an end. And at the same time, you know, all the print magazines were really focused on advertisers. So I found myself sort of repackaging the exact same interview with George Armani, Dolce Gabbana, <laughs> Donatella Versace. And so it didn't feel as stimulating as it once was. And um, I had been collecting vintage clothing and jewelry for a really long time since um, the early nine, uh, the late nineties, excuse me, when I was living in New York and that was a passion project. This was just like something I did as a hobby. I was obsessed with vintage anywhere I went on the weekends. I'd always be trying to find some little church charity shop or flea market. And I just kind of amassed this collection of clothing and, you know, the process into creativity was, um, you know, it was really interesting. I, right before I started this company, I was um, dealing with infertility and I had spent three or four years, actually four years trying to get pregnant. And really the day that I decided to stop doing that was the exact same, stop the IVF, stop all the hormones, all of the like pushing, pulling, um, insisting. I found this energy healer and I started working with her on the energetic aspects of fertility. And it was so interesting how that lined up so perfectly with the creation of my company. You know, so I didn't give birth to a human, but I did give birth to a company. And that was a very interesting process. So it really involved going kind of deeper into what the the, the fertile terrain is inside of you in order to create. That's beautiful. And that was something that Erica and I actually talked about a little bit prior to your interview. And you mentioned in your book too, which is for everybody listening called Mama Milano. And mm -hmm. um, I loved, I loved the way you speak about um, the creative energy can, can give, we can give birth to many things yeah. and we can create in many ways. And, um, and just kind of opening up that idea because it's interesting. We've actually done some fertility episodes recently on the show. So I feel like it kind of beautifully ties into that theme. Um, if anybody is currently struggling with that, but it's like, it, it really even opened my eyes to like, wow, we have so many ways to be creative and to, um, to bring things into existence in this life. And um, you certainly have done that in, in a beautiful way, not just with your company, but now with this, this book as well. Uh, to go back a little bit, and I know Erica touched on this, but you shared that you moved from uh, New York to Milan, you know, over 20 years ago now. And um, in the book, you talk a little bit about some of the things you've learned from living in Italy and the culture there for so long. And I'm really curious too, from, um, I don't know if I'd call it like a wellness perspective, but like a holistic sort of like whole life in that, in that way, um, perspective of, of living, you know, I've been to Italy multiple times because I have some Italian heritage, but, um, functions at a different pace and in a different way than we do here in the States. And so I'd love you to speak perhaps a little bit about those early challenges that you may have experienced, but then also some of the lessons you've learned um, through that experience as well. 
Yeah. I mean, I came as the quintessential type A New Yorker, even though I was born in California. Um, I was, you know, cut from that Manhattan cloth of getting as much done as possible, always being busy, always being productive, um, having a lot of expectations of myself, of others, um, having a laundry list daily, monthly, yearly of things that had to get done. And suddenly I was thrown into chaos, uh, the chaos of Italy, which is, um, it's like a spin cycle of um, just what felt like dysfunction, what felt like total unproductivity, um, disorganization to the like craziest level, um, inefficiency. Everything was always closed. No one was ever working. I couldn't figure out anything. And, and by that, I mean, I couldn't figure out how, you know, the shopping worked, the groceries worked, the takeout food, there was no takeout food, the exercise, no one was exercising. Um, you know, I could, I literally, I was so frustrated. Um, you know, the, the, the ATM machines were always broken. I always found myself in this like two hour line at the bank. I was just really, um, I was just turned upside down and I couldn't speak the language at the beginning. It was difficult to make friends. I didn't have any family. It's It was the void. This is the void. <laughs> and, I, and in the book, I talk a lot about how Italy has that feminine energy, that, that divine mother energy. And part of that is chaos. And part of that is darkness. And um, where things are not logical, they're not clear. Um, and you sort of have to learn how to float, how to flow, how to stop, how to pause, how to rest. And these were things that I didn't know how to do, that I was forced to do. And at the beginning, I would say like a good five years, I was kind of fighting against it. And I was really insistent that my way, the American way, the productive way was better. And I was kind of always held everyone sort of in contempt. And I was very judgmental. Um, everyone from like the little grocer to, you know, the, the person at the shop taking too long or whatever it was. I always had the, these eyes of judgment. And um, my, my sort of shift happened very quickly um, where it was just sort of honestly from one day to the next, because when, when, when you're constantly looking at things through the eyes of um, criticism, um, it really lowers your vibration. Like it really brings you down and it sucks you. And I could feel the density inside myself. I could feel that other people weren't um, responding to me. And I wasn't, I was not shining at all. I was the death star. So I really, I don't know, you know, there were a few kind of key moments that, that happened along the way where my eyes were just sort of open, but it really, you know, once I sort of just let go and decided to stop fighting against all of these things that weren't going the way I wanted, didn't happen the way I wanted. And I just sort of said like, you know what, Italy, I'm doing it your way. The minute I kind of like just let go, um, my life improved dramatically. It was like night and day. And this was such a lesson that sometimes we're in when we're in like the, the darkest, dreariest, most depressing um 
you know, unexpected situations. If you really just surrender your mind, if you surrender all of, um, you know, what you think should happen, it's amazing what wants to come through. And that was, that was the lesson for Italy. And that was also the lesson in fertility. You know, you were talking before about, um, what that actually means about like giving birth to things. So much of it is allowing to come through what wants to come through mm. because we have in our head a certain idea of what needs to come through, what needs to be birthed. And that is what blocks us. We have to just drop the expectation, clear the mind, open ourselves. And then that's when the sort of divinity of the situation, that's when the universe really delivers to you on a platter, all of the things that you could never even imagine. Like I, I never even would have thought that my life would end up this way. So it was much better than what I expected. So it's like really kind of letting go of those micro micro control mechanisms and then allowing this just wave of creation and and bounty and beauty to, to come over you. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think so many people listening, I certainly can relate to what you're sharing. I'm sure so many people listening can relate. And I think now more than ever, I think it's a really hard time to be human in our history. I'm sure everybody says it's always been hard, right? If you look back at history, and I'm sure it's always been hard. But I think today with the internet and the information and like the 24-7 cycle on our phones, like you're, you're, I think it's a very interesting time to be human, to be alive. And, and I think control, control certainly makes me feel safe. And it's been a huge unlearning to let go, right. To release, to trust, to have faith. And, and I know, um, I'm, I'm so curious to, to the spiritual component for you in this, because I know you had, it sounds like you had a spiritual awakening. Um, you mentioned that there were some key moments. And so I'm curious if you're comfortable sharing, what were some of those key moments that, led you to, to these realizations? Yeah. I mean, I would say the, uh, I hit really a rock bottom place. I had struggled with depression, um, during college when my father passed away and, you know, they just plug you up with, with pharmaceuticals and, you know, you're never really getting to the, um, the real root of what's going on. And, and that, you know, so much of that was just not allowing myself to grieve, not allowing myself to feel, not allowing that to be okay. And, um, and the depression returned. I had another episode when I was in New York and then it, it returned again around the whole infertility thing. And I was just at, again, at that place of like, just, I cannot do it. And luckily that that almost like t taking you down to rock bottom they always talk about this you know like with with addiction or whatever you when you hit rock bottom the reason why you want to go there is because you have no more defenses left you have no more walls up you're finally you give up but in giving up what you've given up is your ego and then everything else if you're open to it is ready to come in and so what i i started learning with um this energy healer that i was working with was um really just understanding that everything that was happening to me that was difficult in my life was actually there to teach me a lesson and that i really had to look closely and hear and listen 
to what actually wanted to be communicated, where I needed to learn, where I needed to grow. Because oftentimes whenever we're in these situations that we don't like, we want to point the finger at someone else, some other thing, the situation, the circumstance. And that's what I did in Italy. That's what I did in the infertility. And the minute that I just sort of stopped doing that, so much more was available to me. Um, I think we have to get into that creator state of consciousness where we know that we can create our own mental well-being. Like we we are the creators of that. And you were talking a little bit earlier about how it's hard to be a human right now because everything is so, all this external stimuli outside of ourselves. Being in the fashion industry, I think I had that times 100. Um it's very difficult to not look outside of yourself. But through my spiritual practice, which started with this one energy healer, I started realizing that everything I needed was inside myself. And that like the more that I was looking outside, the worse I felt. And the more that I could find my own inner power, my own inner sovereignty. Um, and, and a lot of that came from, because I worked with so many different people over the last let's say now it's been 10 years. I've worked with, you know, uh, breath work people. I've worked with shamans. I've worked with energy healers. I've worked with multidimensional spiritual practitioners. Um, so many different kinds of modalities, uh, naturopaths. Um, you know, I, I go to Egypt and do this uh, uh, high priestess work, so many different things. But basically all of them are, essentially getting to the same place, which is just learning how to get into contact with your higher self, with that place in you that has all the consciousness necessary, that is free from fear, which is it's totally filtered out all of the noise, the noise of your own mind, the noise of the world around you. And it's amazing what wisdom we all possess. So if we get quiet enough, if we get still enough, um, we can really access that. And there's so many forms of doing that, Med many meditation techniques, and I've tried a lot of them. So I don't know if I answered your question. I kind of rambled, but yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. I think, you know, it's interesting, Erica and I, we met through our Buddhist practice and it's very similar, this idea of not seeking outside yourself. And as you were talking about, like, all these practices, what they have in common is this idea of accessing the higher self in, in our, you know, practice, it would be called our Buddhahood that all people innately have that innate wisdom that you were talking about. So I know that she and I can very much relate to that. Um, and I, you know, it's, and part of our practice is that we chant and I was chanting this morning and I had this sort of like, I don't know, it's almost like sometimes when I chant, I remember, like I remember either my truest nature as you were just discussing or like what I came to me today too was also this act of how, like how to be a creative. And I think that's sort of relevant to what we've been talking about where sometimes when I know I'll speak for myself, like when I feel like I'm pushing, like I need to do, 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 it doesn't open up the space for actually kind of just being open to the creativity that can kind of come through you in a way. It's almost like, I feel like with projects or creative things that we put into the world, 
sometimes it's about being like a vessel for them almost where you kind of like, as you were talking about creating that space and it's, it's really interesting to see just like what a creative life you have lived. And yes, some of that comes in the form of creating La Double J and and companies and now this beautiful book. Um, But being open to the, even the different mediums, like you were saying, like moving from journalism, which ultimately the act of writing, even though I guess journalism is a little bit more like sort of fact-based, but the act of writing is creative in and of itself and how that transferred to different mediums throughout your life and like being open to that too. We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Sprout Living. One of our favorite new snacks are Sprout Living's probiotic almonds. Wildly delicious and irresistibly crunchy, these are the perfect gut-healthy balanced snack. Each pack of the sprouted and activated organic almonds contain 10 billion CFUs of probiotics, 6 grams of clean plant protein, and a variety of other superfood spices and herbs that do the body good. They're made without seed oils, which we all know are out, and the flavors. The Italian truffle is unreal delicious, and the dairy-free cheddar cheese made with turmeric and nutritional yeast always hits the spot. Honestly, we may never have another chip again. Sprout Living also makes our favorite plant-based protein blends. I use the chocolate maca almost every day. If you want to try Sprout Living, you can save 20% off your entire order by using code COURAGEOUS at checkout. Visit www.sproutliving.com and use code COURAGEOUS to save 20%. Give them a try and let us know if you love them as much as we do. You can also find direct links in the show notes. Now back to the episode. I would love to talk a little bit now about Mama Milano and your sort of creative aesthetic because it's so so unique and so beautiful. And this sort of like, you were talking about like maximalism colors and prints and just, and it's sort of like this explosion of, um, I don't know, kind of creative visual creative in, in this book, in addition to writing and and beautiful sort of pieces and essays that you've written throughout. So can you share with us in this project, what was your, what was your creative inspiration or impetus to, to make this, to make Mama Milano and to make this book? Well, it was so funny because I had been maybe for the last 10 or 12 years in Italy, um, writing, um, spontaneously, just almost like journaling. I guess it sort of started as ranting in the early years. (laughs) And then it moved into sort of, chronicling what was happening to me. And I would just write like, I don't know, two or three pages uh, every couple of weekends. So I had all of these sort of stories and I knew that I wanted to do something with them eventually. And then they ended up getting sort of like filed according to topics. So I had ones on like emotions and I had one on like destinations in Italy. And then I had one on mothers and then I had one on infertility and, and all the things that were sort of circling around me. And I knew I wanted to do something. Then during COVID, it was really funny. Um, I had a really interesting time in Milan. If you, I don't know if you are aware, but for three months, no one in Milan could actually leave their house at all. And um, it was a really scary time for a lot of people. And I had just moved into a brand new house. It was empty. I was newly divorced. 
and I hadn't furnished the house yet. So here I am in an empty apartment. The world is crashing outside. Everyone at my office is freaking out. They're all at home. And I ended up using that time as like a very deep um, spiritual portal. <laughs> I I was detoxing. I was taking a multidimensional spiritual course online and a lot of stuff was coming out of me and I was just like channel writing all day long. And, and it was funny because I had a, a editor who I knew from the magazine world who, who wrote to me during that period. And she's like, oh my gosh, I was just thinking, I really think we should work on your memoir. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm writing this other stuff right now. And I sent it over to her and she was like, I don't know what this is. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about frequencies and like, you know, I was, I was really going like kind of out there and, and then I kind of like closed up and I was like, Oh God, I guess what I'm writing, like, doesn't resonate. No one's going to understand this. And then like a year after that, an agent who I had met many years ago was like, JJ, I think everybody's ready for a book on Italy. Um, they need brightness. They need cheer. They need joy. They're coming out of COVID. Let's, let's give them a book on Italy. And I was like, okay, well, I could give them a book on Italy and I'm I'm happy to do that, but I want it to really be a real, true, authentic experience. Like I, I didn't want to just kind of give this like slick coffee table book with like lots of beautiful pictures of everyone looking perfect and their homes amazing and the food incredible. I really wanted to tell the story about how Italy shaped me and how I learned all these lessons and, you know, everything from... Uh, how they cook, to the importance of the family, to um, the disorganization, <laughs> the chaos, uh, to how to get on a like an autostrada, which is like a journey into itself, um, driving in Italy. All of these, um, there were a lot of like kind of superficial lessons that I was learning. Um, a lot of things on like how to set your table properly, how they entertain, all these things. But then I really realized that these were like deeper lessons about how to lead a more heart-based life. How Because the Italians are very heart-based, where I would say the Americans tend to be, at least were trained to be much more mental and head-based and logic-based and execution and production and delivering results. Um, an Italian is, you. it's very rare that you talk to an Italian about their life goals and they tell you that they want to make a lot of money and be successful. They all say, vivere bene. I want to live well. Like that, that's like their, I mean, but this is like across the board. And I found that so interesting. And there were so many lessons to be learned, um, especially how relationship-based the country is. And I talk a lot about that in the book. Like, I mean, you know, uh, you're going to get screwed by the plumber if you open up the yellow pages and call for a plumber. Like you've got to be recommended by a friend to get a friend of a friend to come to your house. <laughs> um, whereas in, in America, I found things that, you know, are, and, and but and then the beauty of that is that friends will do anything for you in Italy. And that's, I think, why I had such a hard time at the beginning because I didn't have friends. So, but it really, it really took a it, it takes a while, you know, to develop relationships. And but that's what's so beautiful about Italy. The more time you give to it, the more it gives back to you. And I felt like it was almost the opposite in New York. The more time I was giving to New York, the more exhausted I felt. So it was very um kind of a different dynamic. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's such a beautiful book and your, your life is infused in it. And I think everything you've shared 
throughout this conversation is so important. And, and I'm, I'm curious too, because right, even as we have our spiritual awakenings, right. And, and again, you're speaking our language. I'm sure um, our, our longtime listeners know again about Ali and I's shared Buddhist practice and how we met. And, you know, we're having, um, we're here on earth having a human experience. And so sometimes we have these, these very, no matter how enlightened we can become, we have these human emotions and feelings and moments. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious too, about acceptance too, throughout your journey, right? Like it's taken you in so many beautiful places, right? And there's a concept I love in Buddhism called like expedient means, right? So it's like things happen that are expedient means to lead you to where you're supposed to go for, for better or for worse, right? Um, however you may take that, but you know, I'm, I'm curious because right, like you're, you mentioned, uh, your divorce or your fertility experience. And I'm, I know a lot of people listening are going through things like this right now. And how did you find kind of acceptance as a part of that journey of, okay, I'm going to go a different way than what I thought my life was going to look like? Because again, I think, um, like I mentioned, control makes me feel safe. I know control is a safety mechanism for a lot of people and it's in releasing control that a lot of beauty in my life happens. Um, but yeah, I think that acceptance piece can be a real struggle sometimes, especially for, I know we have global listeners, but for our American listeners, I'm sure they can relate to that a lot. (laughs) And you know, it's funny how most times we think that it's the external world that we need to come into acceptance of like, oh, I need to accept my mother-in-law or I need to accept my partner who's acting like a jerk, or I need to accept my work environment, which is toxic, whatever it is. What I have found to be true is that the, 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 the real thing you need to come into acceptance of is your own internal experience of your interaction with those external factors. So the thing, the most important acceptance piece is I accept my own fear. I accept my own anger. I accept my own pain, but it's not a mental acceptance. And this is what's so difficult for people because they think they have to keep it in their head and they'll be like, oh, I accept, you know, I'm accepting that. No, 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 you're not. (laughs) Like, did your belly accept it? Did your liver, did your womb like that's where you're going. You're going so deep inside yourself and you're letting your organs, your cells, your blood, your bones, your DNA come into acceptance and doing through so many different kinds of practices, meditation, breath work, stillness, exercises, Qigong, whatever it is. I found that it's like that real subtlety. It's like coming into that soft dance and that soft embrace with yourself where you're holding yourself and your experience the way you would a newborn baby. And you're really listening and you're really soothing that. And that is the deep acceptance. That's where, that's the acceptance that's really going to change your acceptance of everything. Thank you for sharing that. I was just sort of taking that in. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I feel like you mentioned some somatic work that you did, right? And, and 
that's sort of like a somatic experience, right? Like a body experience where we can get to that place. And I know that 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 can always, that can be a journey. And that's also scary, I think, for some people to, um, you know, to feel, to allow themselves to feel what they feel in their gut or in their body. And, um, but as you've shared with us today, really kind of beautiful things can come on the other side of that as well. Some that are not expected, um, which is, I think, really exciting. That's why I love telling these stories too and stories like yours, because I do think that, you know, hearing other people's experiences sometimes helps people muster up the courage to feel those things for themselves too. Yeah, it gives them permission. Yeah. So there's no, you know, our culture gives so much shame, mm-hmm. especially in America. This is one thing I love about Italy. I write about it in the book. Yeah. Emotions are really accepted in Italy. Like people start screaming at dinner tables in offices and everyone just kind of sits around. They're like, yeah, cool. And then they like stop screaming. They like hug each other and they go to lunch. It's no big deal. You know, they don't like sit there and punish them. And, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a family where, you know, when I was upset about stuff, my mom would like send me to my room and like alienate me from the family for as long as possible. So that teaches you at a really early age that is not acceptable to have feelings. And I think now, you know, there's so much kind of rhetoric and dialogue around this that I think that the parenting from what I see out from as an outsider People understand this logically. Oh, oh, just go have your feelings. You know, Tommy, yes, it's good that you have your feelings. Go have them. But they don't really know what that actually entails to go have your feelings. <laughs> yeah. Because having your feelings means really like cuddling up to your feelings the way you would like a sick puppy. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Allie and I were also just having this conversation earlier today about shame. Actually, it came up where we were just discussing the world and life. And I think shame keeps keeps a lot of people from living authentically or keeps people living small. And and I was like, how do we get rid of shame in our culture and our society? And, and you know, we were just really discussing this. And and I think what else is so beautiful about your story too is um, you know, there's such there's so much noise too right now about people wanting to leave the United States you know, for, for a lot of different reasons. And, and I think, I think again, it's like, wherever you go, there you are, right? Like wherever you go, there you are. And, you know, you have to do this work, whether you're in Italy or you're in the United States or you're married or you're single or you're like, there's no, um, there's no like, like glory land outside of, of yourself, you have to do the work and do this great unlearning. And, and I think that, um, that is really, uh, like beautiful and, and we can do it right. We can do it wherever we are, you know, and then if we decide to leave or we decide to do something, it's with so much more integrity and alignment. But again, back to expedient means, right. It's like going to Italy was an expedient means for you and your fertility. It's like all of this leads us to where we're supposed to go. So I find that comforting sometimes too, where it's like, even if, you're going to get there even if it's not conscious and then, you know, but it's a lot easier if it's conscious, I think at least. And I think it's what it's important about what you're saying is that you need to be aware if you're running away from something or actually confronting it. Um, you know, really being in that place of 
you know, if you want to leave America, like don't leave in disgust and carrying your whole baggage of, you know, complaints, et cetera, like really come to peace with that and wish America and its president and its citizens well. Otherwise, you're going to be carrying that karma backpack with you to Iceland or to Peru or wherever, and you're going to unload it there. And the same sort of experience is going to come up to trigger you. So it's, you know, that's why we see so many people in these repeat relationships, you know, oh, I just got to like dump that boyfriend or that husband that's causing me so many problems and they get the next one. It's the exact same dynamic. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, as Erica said, wherever you go, there you are. So it's like yeah. the karmic patterns, unless we transform them, will follow us. Transform it. You have to um, well, thank you so much for sharing this with us today, sharing like about your life, your journey and your creative projects and this beautiful new book. Um, as we begin to wrap up, we always ask all of our guests a few wrap up questions. And I'm actually really curious about the first one for you. So do you have a daily self-care ritual or rituals? And do you have any non-negotiables in your day as far as how you take care of yourself? Yeah, I have a daily ritual, but what I've also learned is that I need to be very flexible with myself and I hate to be kind of like a fundamentalist because that brings me back to that kind of patriarchal treatment of myself that doesn't work. I need to like really respect my rhythms, really respect my my states of mind, my moods, my my work commitments. And so if I can only get on the mat for five minutes, and if I can only actually not even get on the mat, but can sit on the toilet for five minutes and, and have my meditation, that's what it's going to be. And I'm going to feel really good. What has to happen is a check-in and like a clear out of all the noise in my field. So I do that in, in a very, you know, various ways I do. Um, you guys were talking about mantra, uh, singing. I, I find that if I music and toning is a surefire bet to raise your vibration. Um, I have like this whole list of, of mantras that I go through, um, and that I was doing religiously for like maybe a year. And now I do them like just when I'm called, uh, otherwise, I might just even create my own sound. I work with a um, a spiritual teacher that we we do our weird light language together, and I, I you know I, I kind of create these strange sounds that have different frequencies, and that really gets me to. I, basically, my recommendation for anyone is just find a practice that raises your vibration. So, you know. A lot. I used to be an athlete. You know, at first I was a competitive gymnast. Then I was running like crazy. Then I was doing the Ashtanga yoga. Then the vinyasa, the hot vinyasa. And then like I realized, oh my god, I just need yin. You know, like the yin is like where it's at. And and now I kind of create a bot. Like I need to move my body. It's important too. But I can't go with that same mentality of trying to like attack the exercise process and like I need to work out or else. And so it's really much more about closing my eyes and asking my body how it wants to stretch, how it wants to move. So the body work of some kind is in there. Um, the time out, the meditation is, is somewhere in there. Um, I love body work given to me by someone else. So I try to get that weekly if I can um, by someone who can really hold the space. 
energetically for me. I've noticed this as I've gotten more and more sensitive, um, psychically, energetically, et cetera, I can't just have anyone's hands on me. Like I, it's, I'm really sensitive to who I get body work from and, um, yeah, breath work. I mean, I, I could give like a 500 things, like, <laughs> no, I mean, all of it. These are so great. And, and actually back to what you said in the beginning about flexibility, I feel like the more life I live, the more I'm realizing how like flexibility is, I think one of the secret ingredients to life. And, and I think it's really important to be flexible with yourself, to be flexible with others. And yes, yeah. because when you're being flexible, you're bringing kind yep. and when mm-hmm. you're kind, you're bringing that compassion forth and that mercy. And then suddenly you're like Mary Magdalene and it's amazing. <laughs> You're channeling yes. Mary Magdalene. And it's like, yes. oh my, I didn't know I could be Mary Magdalene. Here I am. You Here know? I am. I yes. Oh, thank you. And the next question we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you? I think being courageous is honestly having the patience to really sit with yourself and your truest experience and not want to run away. It's a good answer. Um, the final question we ask everybody is, of course, in addition to your own book, uh, do you have a book that you would recommend to our listeners that's just meant something to you? It can be something you've read recently or, you know, 20 years ago. It could be a novel, anything, just something that has meant something to you personally along your journey. I'm reading this book right now called The Rainbow Tablets, which is a channeled text uh, by a woman um, it's very Lyrian star frequency. I, I love channeled texts. So I've We the Arcturians is a great one. Uh, the Palladian Agenda. I, I'm really into like star consciousness and um, like galactic frequencies. And this Rainbow Tablets is just a, a phenomenal book. And I, f- I find it very, very activating. Like every time I read it, I can feel my whole consciousness expanding and I'm like my, my higher self is like doing all I'm getting all rewired, reprogrammed. I love books like that. Cool. Thank you so much. And uh, if anyone wants to buy your book or follow your work or find you, where can they do that? Well, Mama Milano is on Amazon and it's also on our website, ladoublej.com. And we, you can find me at JJ Martin Milan on Instagram, or you could follow La Double J, but La Double J is mainly, the La Double J Instagram is more just about the fashion, the homeware, where I talk a lot more about the spirituality, the sisterhood things that we do, the raise your vibration activities on my account. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure to you. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, Ali. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.